To borrow Jared Waitley's signature phrase, Gary Bacanara has seen football from all angles. He's a former player, a four-time premiership player at Hawthorne, a former coach, a former recruiting manager. Currently, he is general manager at Frankston Football Club and he remains an occasional newspaper commentator. But it hasn't been the blissful ride through life it might seem. Far from it, actually. Welcome, Bucky. Thanks, Mike. When you weigh all the positives and negatives up over the journey, you finish in the black, don't you? It's a positive um, exercise. Yeah, get going through the journey. Yeah, I'd do it all again, yeah, mm. no doubt. But, yeah, there has been some challenges along the journey, but I've been so fortunate to, to be involved in the game I love. 1983, Buck, the first mm. of your four premierships. Didn't end well, did it? No. Um, yeah, three minutes. It, it Is that officially three minutes? Three minutes, yeah. You did your patella tendon? Snap my patella, yeah, yeah three, three minutes in. And I always say I had one possession because as I fell to the ground, my, the ball came off the end of my toe yeah. and Peter Swab marked it, so it was an effective kick. And mm -hmm. so three minutes, I timed that by 30, 30 possessions, <laughs> maybe a Norm Smith medal. <laughs> and all your possessions were effective. But it sits you into a downward spiral that, uh, that day, didn't it? I mean, you take it... When, when the Hawks are winning the flag, you're in hospital mm. and you went into a sort of a... Were you, were you depressed, do you think? Oh, I think... Uh, yeah, probably post-traumatic stress, I think, in a way, to a degree, because, uh, you know, it was the biggest thing in my life to play in a grand final um, at that stage and never played in a grand final and to last three minutes and then watch my teammates get their medals and... Um, yeah, that was really hard and, you know, so I was really fit. I was 83 kilos when I went into hospital, yeah. So uh, I came out pretty shallow. You lost how many kilos while you were in hospital? In 18 days, I lost 20 kilos. Wow. Mm. You, did you just refuse to eat? Yeah. Mm. Because you were so depressed? Yeah, and I was in pain because I couldn't get really a lot of relief because I was allergic to morphine back then and um, so they gave me pethidine but that would help I'd go to sleep and then I'd wake up in pain again and eventually down the track after a period of time they found out I had a blood clot so then I had to stay in longer and you know it just it just all got to me so I wouldn't eat. <laughs> 18 days in hospital? Yeah. So the, did the boys come in on grand final night? Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. yeah everyone came in, they brought the cup and brought my medallion um, mm. and put it around my neck. Yeah, but it was great to see them. But again, I deep down, I was feeling that I'd been robbed. Mm. Mm. I've heard you say before that you thought there was a bit of woe is me about your attitude at the time. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, that's fair to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's a natural thing when, you know, something goes wrong, you know, you why did this happen to me, mm. uh, you know, even when people get injured or break a leg or do a knee or whatever, I'm thinking, oh, oh wh why me? And I think there was a fair degree of that why me, um, but, uh, you know, it was it, it was what it was. Before you came to Hawthorne, you'd had three years with Subi mm. in the in the Waffle. Mm. They didn't go all that well, did they? No, they were, <laughs> we were struggling big time, yeah. not only financially, but on the field. Three wooden spoons I played in, so, you know, to get that chance. Wow. Um, yeah. Now explain this to me, Buck. Okay. You're, you're a magnificently talented footballer. We all saw that, saw that during the 80s. You were playing in the amateurs, E-grade amateurs in Perth at 20 years of age. Mm. How so? Um, from 16 years of age, I played first grade district cricket. So I love cricket, you know, and so um, getting the taste of cricket and playing at a high level. And um, I was more interested in that. So cricket was my love and footy was my fun and I played with a lot of my mates and my brothers and 
and you know we were just a really good side in in A grade amateurs. Yeah. So when you finally came to Hawthorne, mm. is it true that Subiaco leased you to Hawthorne for three years at a figure of around two hundred grand? Yeah, I think that was the deal. I'm not sure. It's about that figure. Wow. Yeah, and. I think that pretty much saved Subiaco Football Club, who were about to fold, and so that that lease saved them. And then, you know, their story is a good one too because they became a very successful club uh, mm. from then on. 1984-85, the Hawks played two losing grand finals, both to Essendon. Mm -hmm. You missed both of those. In '84, you were still recovering from the knee. What happened in '85? '85, um, I played. I think I played 17 of the 20 games, and um, I got dropped. I played the first final and I got dropped for the preliminary final. Um, my great mate, um, the late Ken Judge, um, took my spot and Ken kicked four in that preliminary final against the Western Bulldogs. I kicked six in the final, um, but of course Judgey had done his job and you know I couldn't push Judgey out, so I, I had to play in the reserves grand final and obviously that was a huge disappointment again for me after 83 to mm. think, oh, don't tell me I'm going to miss another mm. one. Yeah. Mm. So did you cope with that better than you did in 83? I coped with it not initially when Jeansy rang me to told me that I wasn't selected. Because you know. you're very close to Alan Jeansy. Yes, I was, you yeah. know, and I think that would have been a hard phone call for Jeansy. But, you know, um, I was really disappointed and I pretty much decided I was going to go home. Really? Um, yeah. yeah. And so my mum said to me, well, if you're going to do, don't do that. And I nearly, I said to mum, I'm not going to play. And she said, no, you've got to play. This yeah. is in the reserves grand yeah. final? Yeah. Yeah. And she said, you've got to play and you've got to show them, you know, that they made a mistake by not picking you. Mm. So in the end, I played in the reserves grand final and there were other stories. Peter Knight's played yeah. his last game. Fantastic career Peter had. But, yeah, we won. We beat Carlton, who were the top side all year. And, um, you know, I kicked eight goals. And um, what I did is I took some big marks, which I hadn't been doing, because of my knee and I went for my marks because I played with a level of anger and, you know, I'll mm. show you and let myself go and in the end I proved to myself that I could still play at the level. After you've kicked eight in the seconds grand final, the senior team goes out and gets towed up by the Bombers. Mm. How do you feel when you think you should have been out there but you can't, the protocol says you can't show that you're almost pleased that they got uh, beaten up? I, look, I, I wasn't pleased they got beaten up at all. You know, I'm, I loved the Hawthorne Footy Club and I wanted to see him do well, but it was a great disappointment to me. Um, and, and I wouldn't say that I was relieved that they lost because I wasn't a part mm. of it. But, you know, in a way, I, I was more satisfied with my performance in the reserves that I proved to myself more than anybody. You know, maybe I proved a point to the selectors, I don't know. But what I did is I proved a point to myself mm -hmm. that drove me from there on um, for my career. You mentioned about the willingness to, to take that famous leap of yours and take those spectacular mm. marks. How early did those problems with your knees affect the way you played? Um, they restricted me for sure. Um, but from what age? Oh, probably soon after I arrived at Hall. I had it a bit when I was playing for Subi, but not as bad. And I, you know, when I started pre-season training with Hawthorne, I, you know, they were giving me grief, you know. Um, and back then, not, you know, patella tendonitis was like a tendon problem. Tendons are hard to fix because mm. there's not a lot of blood flow to them. But 
I end up getting three cortisone injections in each knee. Um, that would each helped. tendon. Yeah, and since then they found out that they don't inject straight into tendons because what cortisone does it, it mushes the tendon. Mm. And so that played a part in my patella tendon snapping. So there were three premierships to come. Mm. It was amazing. Had you gone home, you would have missed out on those, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's right. You know, so look, footy has a way of evening things out, I guess, and life does as well. Uh, but uh, the fact that I stayed at Hawthorne and, um, you know, got myself together, um, that 86 premiership was really special to me, you know, because I was on the ground. You know, I actually played quite well in the 86 as well. Um, and, you know, just to receive that medallion with my mates was just unreal. Did you play on Bruce Dool in 86? Uh, no, that was Jason. That was his last game, yeah. So you had a jumper of Bruce Dool's. That, mm. When did you get that? Um, well, I ran to him after the game, and I loved playing on Bruce Dool. He was the hardest opponent I ever played on, but he was. I learnt so much by playing on him. And, you know, we had some great battles, and he predominantly beat me, but when I beat him, I felt like I made a huge mm. achievement. And so it was, I learnt so much playing on him, and he always played fair. Never grabbed your jumper, just beat you on his own merits. So I ran to him and said, look, Bruce, it's just been an absolute pleasure to play on you. I'd love to swap jumpers with you. And he said, look, um, I'll... Swap, I want to walk off in my Carlton jumper, which I understood. So I said, uh, no worries, Bruce. And I shook his hand and said, what a great career you've had and uh, good mm. luck. And ran off and, beknownst to me, uh, unbeknownst to me, he gave the jumper to a property steward when we were on a trip in Japan. Yep. And we played Carlton in 86 and the property steward came up to me and said, here's Bruce's grand final wow. jumper. So it was 1986. Mm. 2016, you returned that jumper, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. I think it was better either for the Carlton Footy Club to have that jumper or Bruce's family to have that jumper, and, um, you know, uh, so I handed it back. It was know. a nice touch. Did you hear from Dooley? No, I haven't heard from oh. Dooley, no. No, but, but it sort of belongs to him it or does, Carlton, doesn't it? and his family and Carlton, yeah. yeah. A year later, Buck, 1987, mm. you remember a certain game late in the season at Waverley Park? <laughs> Yes. An event called a preliminary final. Yeah, Melbourne supporters still remember it. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do. That was... Um, just paraphrase it for us. You're in trouble. There's about um, 40 seconds left on the clock. I think there was about 20 seconds when Tucky... Kicked in from fullback. Kicked in from fullback yep. and uh, Swabby marked it, handballed to Chris Langford. I led from full forward and got pushed in the back by Rod Grinter and uh, got a free kick on the 50-metre line. Yeah. So was there a 50-metre arc then? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. So you're right on 50. Mm. Well, the ball would have still been climbing, wouldn't it, if you had kicked it from there? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it went 20 rows back anyhow. <laughs> so. <laughs> so then uh, Jimmy Steins um, happens to run across the mark. Mm. You get taken to 35. Now, I want to talk to you about the art of kicking. That was, a ma that was the most important kick in Hawthorne's year at that point. Were you nervous? Didn't think about it at the time, albeit Russell Green comes up to me and puts his arm around my shoulder and said, for God's sake, Bucky, kick the goal, the <laughs> siren's gone, so I really didn't need... Then I start. But at the moment, I didn't think, don't miss it. I just thought, you know, I've done this plenty of times, I'm going to kick it. So what was your routine? I mean, I know you despair, like lots of us, about the efficiency and the conversion rate in the modern game. Mm. What was your routine kicking for goal? My routine was my routine and how... My kicking style was my kicking style. And what I did is over a long period of time as a kid, and whatever it is, I perfected my own kicking style. And I just went back and did what I'd always done as a kid. Same number of steps? Yeah. Same running in the same yeah. line? And yeah. kick the ball 
that's my kicking style. Yep. Everyone's different. Yep. And you had faith, you, you, mm. the faith didn't waver. You knew that if you did everything that you normally do, you'd kick the goal. Yeah, and I had a kick before that and it hit the post, um, probably, you know, from the same angle. And uh, I just allowed a bit more and it, um, yeah, it went straight through. The, gee, the goal umpire could have won an Academy Award. He, <laughs> he's gone to the middle of the points and signalled a goal. But Was it straight through the middle? Yeah, pretty much. Dermot won't like this, but Alan Jeans referred to you as Hawthorne's mm. best big game player. Nice accolade. Yeah, it is. And, you know, look, it's nice to have that accolade uh, in Jeans. And I guess a bit of it stems from finals footy and state of origin footy, I, I guess. But, um, yeah, I love playing in the big games. They were, they were fantastic. But I think Hawthorne was full of big game players mm. back then, and that's why we were such a great side. After the break, Bucky, tell me how Hawthorne landed at Roughhead. Franklin and Lewis in your first draft in 2004. How did you cope, Buck, when, when you finished your playing career? Were you, could you finish it satisfied with what you'd done and ready to go into the next phase of your life, or did you have a few withdrawal symptoms? Had it, you know, look, I, I think all um, sportsmen find it difficult to accept when their career's over, and, and I did too, because, you know, I played a game at the Wacker and hurt my knee again, and I knew then that my career was over and uh, I, I couldn't play anymore and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to play at a lesser level um, to what I'd been playing at. So, you know, I pulled the pin in about five or six games into the 90 season mm. and, uh, yeah, it's tough to cope with. And what about on out of that front? I mean, did you have a bad commercial ex uh, proposition at that point that cost you some money? Oh, look, I trusted people uh, with um, my football money and my real estate without... You know, one was a lawyer, one was an accountant, and um, yeah, lost pretty much mo most of my football money wow. and a house in Hawthorne. Really? Mm. So, what would they have been worth at that time? Oh, look, I would have thought, you know, two or three hundred thousand back then. A lot of money then. Mm. Did that? Did that prompt you to perhaps gamble with money that mm. uh, the ever diminishing supply of money? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I always thought. I got into a bit of gambling and won some money and then I thought I could just continue to do it and make up for all the money that I'd lost and I got myself into a bit of trouble financially, yes. A bit of trouble? Mm. Mm. Big trouble? Yeah, pretty big trouble, yeah. So it took a long, lot of people to help me and, mm. you know, to, you know, mates and friends and, and people and got some advice and counselling and went through all that pretty quietly. What was mm. your mental state at the time? Not good, no. No, not good. Did you need counselling? Yeah. Yeah. For, for the gambling or just generally? I think for uh, the gambling came as a result of the disappointments because there was a, a few things that hit me all at once, you mm. know, in terms of my mum died, um, the financial thing was on top of that, um, the Sydney Swans um, episode. That wouldn't have helped? That didn't help, no. No, no. and, yeah, so after that... I just felt the footy world had shunned me and mm. um, didn't want anything to do with me anymore. So that, that was difficult to cope with. So I turned to other things like gambling and to get See. that thrill. And you know. Did you become introspective? Did you, or were you still... No, I shied away to a de degree. I tried to continue. I worked and continued to try and bring in some money for the family, but it was, it was certainly tough. And, you know, um, yeah, I, I got through that period with a lot of support from a lot of people.
Did the gambling issue arise before Sydney or after Sydney? Um, after Sydney. After. Mm. So you coached Sydney for 25 games. Mm. You won three of those games. Mm. Uh, and for blokes who were used to success, how did you cope when the Swans came to you and sort of said, we're not going on with you, we, get it. we have to make a change? In the end, I was half relieved because I knew I wasn't the person for the job and I don't think anyone would have been mm. at that stage. You know, the club had no facilities. They'd been in Sydney for 10 years. They had no training ground. They had no um, medical setup. You know, It was just a terribly run football club that would only spend half the salary cap. Mm. I they did OK, I won three and a half games of the first seven and then unfortunately yeah. lost 18 in a row. Yeah. Mm. How difficult is that when you're used to, when you you'd yeah. had that period in the 80s where you just won every game you wanted to win? Mm. And again, it's choosing the opportunity and that's the advice I talk to young coaches, you know, make sure you choose your opportunity well because you might only get one shot at it and, um, you know, do your research. I didn't. I took the opportunity to become an AFL coach, thinking I might not get asked again, so I grabbed the opportunity and just walked into a, a bit of a nightmare up there. So uh, it was it was a really tough... And I, I just knew that, you know, I couldn't do anything about um, the success, and I don't think... It, it, Kevin Sheedy, if he had gone there, he wouldn't have been able mm. to do. He would have had the same results. So it was a mistake to go there? Yes, yeah. I was actually um, talking to Essendon at the same time, so how things work out. About the senior job at yeah, Essendon? Yeah, yeah. And um, Kevin Sheedy was talking to the Sydney people about moving up there. Wow. Yeah, so um, it, if Kevin hadn't... A, gone. You would have had 30 years at Essendon. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I might have had the baby bombers and yeah. uh, things might have been a lot different for me. But anyhow, that's that's the way it turned out. And no opportunity since. The industry seems to turn its back on, on a, a person who seemed to have failed once. Mm. Do you agree? I, I, I'd agree with that, yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, I, I look you know, I was with Peter Swab as a coach, and I think Peter Swab had enormous potential to be a really good coach. But he was in his first job, and it didn't quite work out for him. But once you've made some mistakes, or once you've mm. been in a job, I reckon you're better suited next time to be pre prepared. But the industry sometimes just doesn't give you an opportunity for that. And I think co um, some coaches who probably didn't make a fist of it the first time would do a far better job the second time. Well, I've shared that view, and Michael Voss is the perfect example to mm. me. Mm. He was put into the job far too soon, but he would be an infinitely better coaching proposition now, wouldn't he? Of course he would. And, you know, nobody would doubt his knowledge. But, again, some people get thrusted into a job a bit like what I did when you're not ready for it. And, you know, um, and, and to be honest, I found myself... I probably wasn't suited to coaching. Mm. You know, it took me a while, but I probably wasn't suited because I got too frustrated. Mm. You know, they couldn't do the things probably I could yeah. do, you know, yeah. and, and I just got frustrated with decision making. And so I found, I, I still love the game, and, and, and probably in the end, I found my right right niche in being a, as you a know, talent, as yeah. a talent yeah. ID because I think I can pick talent really well. Um, I know I can. Lots of people are claiming the credit for assembling that Hawthorne team that went on the uh, start of this Premiership run in 2008. Hmm. Um, you would rightfully believe that you uh, played a key role in that? Look, a number of people play a key role. You know, John Turnbull did a fantastic yeah, he job. He preceded you, know? you yeah, John yeah, Turnbull. Yeah, and, you know, he, he made some great decisions there. And, you know, then I took on the role and I would have thought that I played my role in terms of identifying the talent, I think. 
you know, uh, John Hook played a magnificent role in the trading um, and getting picks. And so lots of people, and, and it's not one person, it's usually a team of people that sure. make the decision. But say Hooky worked out how to get specific numbers. Yes. Towards the top of the list. But you, as, as I understand mm. it, it was you that said, Franklin, Roughhead and Lewis are the blokes that we need to use those picks on, mm. correct? That's right, yeah. Clarko had just been appointed coach and he just said, I said, what's the wish list? And he said, I'd like to get two key position players. In looking at it, we knew we wouldn't get Roughhead at pick four um, because Richmond had already told him that they were going to take him mm. with pick four and already invited him to the president's welcome party. Yeah. Um, and so we, we heard that they'd gone off Franklin a bit and so... The only way we could get the two with our first picks were by taking Roughhead at pick two and Franklin hoping at pick five. And that turned out and then Hook, we had pick ten and Hooky traded that pick ten down to pick seven because I said we won't get Lewis with pick at ten. ten. Yeah, yeah. Did you think at that time, did you think Roughhead or Franklin was the better player? Um, probably at the time, probably Ruffy was the safer pick. Um, but I knew... Lant and Buddy had just exceptional talent. Just There was always a little question mark, would he be able to cope? Mm -hmm. And I think that was a question mark on a lot of the clubs and the recruiters after you... Um, cope with what? With the pressure of AFL football? With pressure or the limelight. Yeah. Um, and they're two different things, but to Buddy's credit, he put his head down and he amazed the fitness staff. All of a sudden, I thought he was just, you know, just quick but he had a huge engine, which mm. they found out fairly quickly. So all of a sudden we've got this six foot four, six foot five player that can run really quick, that can jump. Kicks that, at seven. And, and has a, a, a huge engine. And yeah. we thought, wow, he could turn into yeah. anything. And then he put on some size um, and he became the Buddy Franklin who kicks, who might be the last player in AFL history to kick 100 goals. Yeah. Did you think, were you surprised that he got through to five? Um, not really, not really, but I was glad he did. Mm -hmm. yeah. I want to ask you about another bloke who's mm. not a bad player in brown and gold, a bloke <laughs> called Cyril Rioli. Yeah. The industry says, Bucky, that the Hawthorne people spread the word that he didn't like training, he was a bit erratic in his behaviour and he was a big risk. Is that true? I wouldn't say the Hawthorne people spread that to, to, a, <laughs> to a degree, but I... I I know that he interviewed very well with the clubs that he wanted to go to and interviewed very <laughs> poorly with the clubs he didn't yeah. want to go to. But that wasn't uh, Hawthorne-inspired? Oh, not to my memory. Come on, Buck. <laughs> we tell the truth here. You didn't whisper in his ear, sort of, why don't you just pretend you're not all that interested on playing AFL football at other clubs? Oh, look, other clubs, I know a lot of the recruiters loved him, but, um, yeah, it's just unfortunate that he interviewed poorly with the interstate clubs. <laughs> well, I know. I, I, Matty Rendell was keen on him, wasn't he? Oh, loved him. And Matty was at Adelaide at the time. Mm, mm. Mm. Loved him and, unfortunately, Neil Craig, we know Neil um, is a fitness fanatic. Yes, and disciplined and all and that. And disciplined yeah. and all that. And when Cyril said he didn't like training and only liked playing in games, um, at the end of the interview, <laughs> Craig turned to Matt Rendell and said... No way we're picking him. He won't want to hear that back. No. <laughs> now, you're not, you haven't had any connection with Hawthorne for quite some time, have you? Not really. I stay in, stay in touch, yeah. Yeah, but, but in, in, in a work sense? No, no, no. no. Has that disappointed you? Uh, look, it disappointed me 
because I, I felt that I was taken for granted hugely, you know. As a recruiter? Yeah. Yeah. No, just pigeonholed as a, a guy with great talent, you know, and just people kept getting put over the top of me in Chris roles. Pelchin was one? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, obviously Graham Wright, who I get on really well with Wright, he's a great guy, there's no doubt about it. So I have no problems with that. It's not their fault. They get given an opportunity, so they take them. But I just felt that I had a lot more to it to give and I was ambitious. I wanted to become, you know, a, a manager, a football manager, a, a, a general manager mm. even, and which I am now. So I've had to take a step back into the VFL competition to do that and prove myself. But I just felt that I was pigeonholed and you know, I did a great job for them. And, and what disappointed me was probably at no stage did anyone, CEO or coach, ever come in and knock on my door and tell me that I'd done a good job for him. Were you surprised that there were no offers from elsewhere? Yeah, I would have you know, would have thought I my record would have spoken for itself with given what Hawthorne did through that era and the talent that we had picked. So I would have thought that would have um, stood for something, but, yeah, not one club really approached me. What about your affection now for the Hawks? I mean, you're, oh. you're a celebrated former player at Hawthorne. Is your love for the footy club as strong as it should be? Yeah, yeah, look, is, I, is it? yeah, yeah, I did. Look, I was disappointed, but you've got to get over it. You can't carry grudges or whatever because they eat you away in mm. the end. And I, I learnt that through, you know, the hard way, the hard lessons of carrying grudges and carrying um, disappointments and not letting them go. So in the end, yes, I, I was disappointed in what happened at Hawthorne through that period of time, but I've had such a blessed career with Hawthorne Footy Club for over 25 years as a player and administrator. So, look, my love for the club will always be there and I, I want to see him do really well. What's been the high point for you, on or off the field? Um, to be honest, obviously, the Premiership success, but you know what? Footy is, is a great game and it gives you friendships for life. Um, I made friendships for life and um, some of my mates are my best friends that I played footy with. Um, even some opponents that I played with, you know, Dougie Hawkins and Frank Marcazzani mm. and guys like that, that, you know, we used to have fun together and, and, and we carry that on in retirement. Uh, but also, you know, from the family, you know, it's a great family environment to bring your, your kids up in that uh, sort of football and, and club environment. So to me, um, the main thing is just the mateships, you know, and you know I've got to know Mike Sheehan really well over the journey and lots of media people who've become friends. So to me, the really important things are the relationships that, I, that football has given me and, and, and uh, you know, uh, the mateships over a long period of time. Bucky, despite your dastardly deed on preliminary final day 1987, I've always loved watching you play. A brilliant footballer, fair and just played on his skills and you've been a magnificent player for the Hawthorne Football Club. Nice to see you. Thanks, Mike. This has been a Fox Footy production. Part of the Fox Sports Network.